0: fire episode for you today, friends. Uh, we are kicking off our first Monday, June episode Where you'll be hearing insight on top legal questions and issues that online coaches deal with from business lawyer Yasmin Salem Hamden. Now, Yasmin is a woman that you 100% want to have in your corner, in your back pocket. She is a rock star and she is just as beautiful inside as she is on the outside. Let me tell you about Yasmin. She is an attorney, um, also known as a lawyer, those are the same thing. Attorney slash lawyer, branding consultant, entrepreneur, and the founder of her Powerhouse Empire Coaches & Company, where she provides ready-to-use contract templates for online coaches that are both lawyer-approved and rock-solid in protecting you and your business and your clients. Inside today's episode, she is going to help answer lots and lots and lots and lots of business questions um, to kind of give you a little sneak peek of of a few of the questions that she's gonna answer is things like, how do I create an LLC? Uh, If a client misses a payment and we have a contract in place, what actions can I take? And she's gonna give us the nitty gritty on guarantees, which is uh, something that you all know that I do. I have a guarantee on my program inside of High Ticket Powerhouse, and I asked Yasmin about her insight and her input on guarantees from a legal business perspective. Um, And can we do guarantees? Can we do them? Because not many coaches are doing them. So is it ethical? Can we do them? All of that and more is inside of today's episode. This is a must listen, an absolute must listen. You need to grab your notebook. You need to grab your pen. You're probably gonna need to listen to this twice. And then at the end of the episode, you need to go over to Yasmin's website at Coaches and Company. It'll be linked down in the show notes. And you need to tour her digital a showcase of ready to use contracts. And if you don't already have one in place, friend, for your business, you need to get one. So you can use code CAMIE50, that is C A M I E 50, on her website, Coaches and Company. Again, that'll be linked down in the show notes to get your hands on a lawyer approved contract to get you, your business, and your clients protected immediately. And Cami50 will give you $50 off. Without further ado, here's Yasmin. Hey, Coach, welcome to the Bible's Babies and Business Podcast. Are you ready to get more consistent high-ticket clients in your online coaching business without having to go through exhausting flopped launches? Are you constantly searching for podcast episodes, looking for that key to unlocking $10,000 months in your business? Do you have big dreams of becoming debt-free, going on more family vacations, and staying home with your kids, but right now your business isn't even breaking $2,000 a month? Hey there, I'm Cami. I'm a Christian, a wife, and a soon-to-be mom a few years ago before i was known for being a high ticket sales expert for online coaches and before i founded my program high ticket powerhouse which offers some of the best marketing and sales strategy in the coaching industry i was just your average online coach struggling to get by i didn't know how to get clients make consistent money online or get out of the painful cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and drowning in debt and to make matters worse My husband and I were struggling through years of infertility and needed tens of thousands of dollars to grow our family. Oh, and on top of that, student loans and credit card debt. Needless to say, financially, we were a sinking ship. My business needed to make money. My family depended on it. That's when I discovered the art of how to close high ticket sales. And the best part, you don't need thousands of Instagram followers or ever have to struggle through another duct taped Instagram launch ever again. In this podcast, you'll find practical sales strategies to use in your own coaching business, biblical principles for the Christian entrepreneur, and a healthy dose of tough love. Because one thing you need to know about me, I don't sugarcoat it. My ultimate goal is to turn you into an absolute powerhouse at selling your high-ticket coaching online so you can be a blessing to your family, a blessing to your clients, and create life-changing impact for the kingdom of heaven. So grab your Bible, your laptop, and let's get to work. Because you were made for this. Yasmin, welcome to the Bible's Babies and Business. I'm so excited to have you here. We have been like anticipating this interview.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on the show, Cammie. I appreciate you.
0: Absolutely. I have had the pleasure of getting to know you a little bit over the past couple weeks through email exchange, through a phone call, and you are a beautiful person inside and out. You have a beautiful mind. You are wildly intelligent, um, a business lawyer, a fantastic wife, mother, you are the whole package. And you guys can't see this, but behind Yasmin in the video, she has this bookshelf that is color coordinated and it is bringing me life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, we were just talking about how satisfying it
1: is. It's the gradients. I love Absolutely. it. It's, thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. And likewise, you're also an incredible person, beautiful thank person you. inside and out and
0: I'm so happy our paths have crossed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what what I we have so many questions um that I'm so excited to we have so many questions that we're going to spit fire through here in a little bit. The first thing though that I would really love for you to share with the audience is a little bit about your background and how you came into the online space and built your beautiful company, Coaches and Company.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, Okay, so where to begin? I, like you said, I'm a business lawyer and uh, an intellectual property lawyer as well. So, my background um, was working with entrepreneurs of all types of businesses. So, from in person local services to online services, digital products to physical products, uh, software as a service, apps, and just across the board. And uh, I was doing that and I was helping them protect their brands, get legal protections in place. Um, Around 2018, I stumbled across this world of digital business, marketing, selling, and delivering services online and developing assets, intellectual property assets within these platforms that you're building online. So it was just this, my whole, it felt like my world just busted open, like, hold on, this is a whole world that is unexplored by traditional law, traditional legal services. I mean, it's a new landscape that we're operating within. And so I uh, began to engage with more people online that were building those kinds of businesses, selling professional services, whether it's coaching, consulting, um. Selling digital products that are, you know, downloadables or courses, info products, etc., and I began to get really familiar with the type, the unique types of issues and the unique transactions they're engaging in, these unique businesses and business models that they were implementing, and began to create these solutions for my clients and a lot of people that I was in my law firm. So I had my uh, my law firm at the time, um, and was serving people within the firm. And when I would have these initial discovery calls and consultations with prospective clients, I'd find that most people um, wanted to protect themselves legally. They knew that they needed to protect themselves legally. They're really motivated to, I mean, we we're on the phone, right? So they knew there was something there. Um, but one, it was many times a matter of uh, cost. And legal services are not cheap. You know, it's not a certainly not pocket change. It is an investment in your business. And as we know, you know, with investments, um, many times it is something that requires that proactive action, right. And, and getting ahead of it. Um, and also operating in a legitimate way, a way that you can be confident in that you can be proud of that you, you know, so long as you are not planning on, you know, this being a quick, Three month project, if this is something that you want to sustain in the long term, yeah, making those upfront investments is what makes the most sense. So, most people I was talking to were of that mindset, but they just could not, they didn't have the funds at the time. So, I get it. I know that there's limited capital available to new entrepreneurs, especially in that first year, a few years of business. So, long story short, we created at the time, I realized that, okay, there were these very specific issues. Um, and fundamentals that every entrepreneur. will get into those today, uh, you know, briefly on, on our call, on our uh, podcast episode today, but um, I know we have some plans to, yeah, to share more in-depth info together later, but um, it definitely was creating these solutions that could be implemented more easily and not require my personal involvement as an attorney. So, we productized the service one of those things that they really needed help with were contracts getting contracts in place with their clients getting contracts in place with their team members having the right legal language on their websites um, in their email marketing efforts etc and protecting the brands that they were building and so we created uh, these productized contracts which are instantly downloadable legal contract templates they're lawyer created reviewed and approved they're legally free, so you can understand them easily and be able to explain them to your clients if your client asks you something about them. Um, and they are our one of our core values is accessibility, so they're available at a fraction of the price of what it would cost an individual to hire a law firm or a lawyer to custom create a contract um, from scratch, uh, which can be upwards of you know two three thousand dollars starting depending on the complexity of the contract and of course the attorney that's drafting it but yeah that's pretty much the how we came about that was in 2020 so the pandemic hit at the time when we were in that research and development phase so i was still like getting all my ducks in a row and and trying to to launch this thing and then march 2020 happened it was like okay let's just keep the course <laughs> and then july 2020 happened and or and came about and that's when we launched and it's just been awesome I, you know it's been really well received and Um, I'm so honored to be able to share this valuable information and these resources and support women in their businesses and, and support them in their journey of
0: creating financial independence. So beautiful. And, and I first even came across you years ago, very, very beginning 2020. And I came, I was introduced to your company because one of my business mentors at the time was working alongside you. And I remember like the first time that I ever came across your website and I was immediately hooked. I was like, this is so user-friendly, something as complex and intricate as legal services. What blew my mind the most is how well, you communicated something super complex to somebody who doesn't have a legal background. And it was very, your website is so beautifully laid out. I knew exactly where I needed to go. I purchased a contract um, like a few months after that. And I've been using it ever since. I recommend it to my clients. Uh, for those of you listening, um, Yasmin's website will be linked down below so that you can go check it out yourself. But you've created a phenomenal website and product that serves people so well.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to do today is I went and asked some of my clients what legal questions they have. I serve the brand new online coach who usually probably doesn't even have an LLC set up yet, which is fine. And that's where my heart is. My heart is to serve the brand new coach because that's where I was. I wasn't making any money. I didn't know what an LLC even was. Business bank account wants that. That's where I was. And so that's where my heart is. And, and my program, High Ticket Powerhouse, really serves that new beginner coach. And so what I did is I went to my Powerhouse students and I asked them, what legal questions do you have that I know I'm not qualified to answer? And we gathered those today. So we're there's quite a bit. So we're just going to spit fire through them. Um, and for those of you listening, Yasmin is going to briefly answer these questions. But if you're looking for a real in-depth, Um, services, legal services for your own business, absolutely go check out Coaches & Company. Again, it'll be linked down below. And if you're an online coach, Yasmin and I are going to be collaborating and there's going to be a legal video recording inside of Powerhouse for students to go through and understand those really firm foundations of what needs to be Set up foundationally and legally in their business to be able to conduct business ethically in a very protected way. So, the very first question we're going to start off with is Can you explain what an LLC is and do I need one for my online coaching business?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm happy to answer. And I want to preface it as well. And I appreciate everyone that shared their questions and the questions. I love them so much. I saw I was able to take a look at them before we started recording. And I love that all of these things are on your mind as businesswomen and as entrepreneurs and even as new entrepreneurs. So it's very impressive and I love it. And I think it shows great promise and for the future. So this is awesome. Um, I also want to say that I know it's a bit stereotypical, the lawyer with the disclaimer, but I do have to give a disclaimer very quickly in terms of I can't provide legal advice via a podcast this way. So I won't be sharing tailored or customized legal advice to any one of these questions. Um, This is for informational purposes and educational purposes, which also serves a lot of value. So if you do need custom legal advice or legal advice about a particular situation and set of circumstances, I really encourage you to reach out to an attorney or to a lawyer Um, They are the same thing um, in your jurisdiction. So whatever state you live in, meet with some business lawyer that's local to you because laws do vary from state to state and from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So we want to keep that in mind as we go about uh, growing or starting and growing our businesses. So, okay. Our first question talking about an LLC and do I need one for my coaching business? So an LLC is a limited liability company. And what that means is it is an entity that the state recognizes as separate from you, the individual. So when you form an LLC, an alternative to an LLC is a corporation. They're very similar in that they're entities separate from you. You can use them to operate your business within, um, and it provides you with liability protection, meaning if any legal issues come up in your business, if somebody's suing you in your business, if there is some sort of damage claim for damages in either your personal life and or your business the other one is protected so like i said if something happens in your business somebody's trying to sue for damages or there's some sort of legal issue your personal assets cannot be accessed and your personal assets will not be affected by so long as you are as long as you are treating it as if it is separate so we'll talk more about that in a moment i'm sure we'll get into you know um maintaining our llcs but Uh, you want to make sure that you have something separate from you in order to protect yourself personally and protect your business from any personal ongoings. There are also tax benefits to forming an entity like this. Um, So you might need a corporation, you might need an LLC. It depends on your um, personal circumstances, and maybe you have other business activity or other assets. So I would consult with a lawyer, or definitely do um, some in-depth research on the the matter. And I recommend everybody have a lawyer that's local to them that they at least have an initial consultation with. So um, there's value to be had in in an initial consultation on its own. Um, but there was something else that I wanted to say about uh, LLCs and corporations. Oh, in terms of the difference between the two, And a lot of people are familiar with the word sole proprietor or sole proprietorship. Um, The sole proprietor is the default. So if you do nothing, you are your business and your business is you, there's no liability protection. Corporations and LLCs are very similar in that they offer that liability protection. Uh, LLCs are just more lax in terms of what formalities are required in terms of, uh, you know, records and reporting, et cetera. So The LLC is for people like you and me who are not, you know, backed by millions of dollars in venture capital. We don't have shareholders or investors. Um, You know, we don't have, uh, you know, crazy assets out the gate, right? Right. Uh, So... Um, LLCs generally are a great fit for small business owners, but like I said, it just depends. On yeah. Situation.
0: Okay. Beautiful. Thank you for that. That, that is super, super clear. And I'm glad that that you were, that you clarified the difference between the two. Cause I remember that being something that as I was formulating my LLC years ago, that was a question I had. If somebody, you know, consults with a lawyer and, and they, you know, are advised that LLC is the route to go. Is it best practice to have your LLC in place prior to signing your first client or can you do it after the fact?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say best practice is before any transactions take place, you have an LLC in place and you have a business bank account in place and then any money that's coming in. So when, if you sign a client, that means the client's probably gonna pay you, right? At least Mm -hmm. I hope so. Right, so right. That's the plan. So if you're prepared to receive that revenue, you wanna in order to also maintain clean financial records and and all of that. So yeah, best practice is yes, you're not, you know, it's not a crime to sign right. a client without an LLC. So you won't suffer that sort of consequence. But if some liability arises within the mm-hmm. scope of your work with that client and you're not operating within an LLC, that could spell
0: trouble. Okay, got it, got it. Thank you for that. When somebody does sign a client and and they have a contract in place, hopefully through coaches and company, and they have an invoice um, that the the client is going to pay, does it matter which one is completed first? Is the is should the contract be signed first or invoice paid for or by? Does it matter? Yeah,
1: that's an interesting question. I would say that. Ideally, they're signed at the same time. Uh, If they have paid you, but they haven't signed the contract, you really want to get that contract signed ASAP. If they've signed the contract and they haven't paid the invoice yet, just make sure they're paying the invoice in accordance with what the contract says. So maybe Mm -hmm. the contract does say first payment is not due until a certain day. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the contract says, you know, must be paid within... Signing x number of days of or whatever Mm -hmm. your agreement is, but you can you can include that in the contract that both should be signed at the same time. Um, But it's pretty standard. People pretty, I would say a majority of the time, what I've seen is contracts are signed and then invoices paid. Okay, I've had a client. I mean, I I now that I think about it, I've definitely had that come up where the invoice is paid first and the contract has not been signed. Mm -hmm. Definitely make sure that I'm following up with them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. ASAP
1: just to make sure that we're on the same page. Right. Okay. Um, before I accept their money. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I think that that question is deriving from some some coaches accept payment over the phone. Like if, if they're like, hey, can I just read my credit card number over to you? Um and they haven't had the the chance yet to read that contract. So yeah, that that's great feedback from yeah. you. Thank you
1: yes you're welcome and if i may i know that that's actually i love that you bring that up because i think that is a common practice it's commonly taught Mm -hmm. um, on the phone right Mm -hmm. and collect the payment to secure the sale and then send the contract and you know um i don't believe that there is technically anything illegal about that practice Mm -hmm. uh it just comes with a risk and you should be aware of that risk that there's probably if i look at a business that makes sure the contract is provided first
0: yeah
1: they we're on the same page and then the client pays versus you know the client pays and then we're mm-hmm. giving them the contract and the terms the numbers probably look different and at least my hypo, my my guess would be that there's more refunds being provided for those that see the terms after they pay Mm. Um, The risk that comes with it. You've got to be aware that, okay, they might change once they see it spelled out. So Mm. best
0: practices. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to summarize best practice, provide the contract, then accept payment, you know, and and it may even be like when I'm sitting down and I send a new client, I send the contract and then like, right after I'll send the invoice. So ideally it pops up in their inbox as, hey, here's the contract from Cameron and here's the invoice as well. So yeah, okay, awesome. That that's super clear. So if someone consults with their a lawyer within their jurisdiction and and just find out that okay, yes, an LLC is the is the way to go. Do does somebody need to form an LLC with a lawyer? I've heard that there's online ways to do it. Is there a variety of paths that a person could take?
1: Yeah, certainly. There there are definitely a variety of paths um, available to forming a business entity. Uh, Are you able to do it yourself? Yes, you can. Um, There's nothing that prohibits you from doing that. Um, Does it always make sense to do it ourselves? Not always, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it might. Uh, A couple things that come to mind is one, the website, your your state's website, your jurisdiction's website. If you're in the US, your state has a secretary of state's office Um, and you can go to their website and there's tons of information about business and the business laws and different notices and things like that on there that you might find interesting and that might be relevant to the type of business that you're building. Um, And then you'll also find uh, where you can create entities and uh information related to business in general so specifically um you'll want to go there and go through the process that they provide you the websites are not always very user-friendly so it's like one thing and that that's a real roadblock for some people you know is right. it's really not a very it's a government website for some reason still not great <laughs> but here yeah. we are yeah and you know it's um It can be a roadblock, but I would say in general, uh, like the state of Texas, it's not very complicated, but it does require some familiarity with the platform. So, if you can figure out your state's platform, then you're probably fine. If it is a bit too complicated, then there are services online, um, websites online that process, they provide a more user friendly interface. So, like one that many people know about is LegalZoom. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not one, I can't personally speak to an experience with LegalZoom, I've never hired them. I've never used their service, but I've had clients that have, and it's not a hundred percent because it is an automated service. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a nicer interface. So I would get a recommendation. Um, and many times you can consult with a CPA and CPAs offer it as a service. So they'll consult with you and provide you with uh, financial advice and, and tax advice and how you construct, set up your taxes related to your business. And then they might offer that as a service to you. Sometimes they partner with a lawyer um, or sometimes they have somebody in-house that completes those kinds of filings. So that can be an alternative route as well, but you can always hire an attorney to support you and somebody local to you is ideal. Um, But yeah, there are a lot of websites out there. It's kind of, sometimes you're rolling the dice when it comes to these, Mm -hmm. you know, online websites and different services. So I like to get recommendations from people that I yeah. trust, you know, <laughs> uh, have had a personal experience. So asking around. If you're also thinking, I need to find a CPA, I need to find a lawyer. Start with your network, um, and build your advisory board.
0: And that yeah, way. yeah, wonderful. I love that. Thank you. So, so when somebody goes to form an LLC, let's 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 ask the question, assuming that their their state's website, they were able to navigate it. What kind of basic information should they have prepared when they go to form that LLC? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, so like
1: I said, it varies from state to state. Um, so this might not be an exact list depending on where you're located, but in general, uh, you should certainly have, you'll uh, have to name yourself or whoever the owner of the business is when completing that filing. Um, You'll need a mailing address and you'll also need a registered agent, which is an address that you put on file with your entity, uh, with the secretary of state connected to your entity. That is an address where you can receive official mailings and official service. So if somebody um, needs to deliver, if the government needs to deliver mail to you, you know, it can be sent there. They know that they can reach you there. If you need to be served with a lawsuit, that is the address that your entity or if your entity, excuse me, needs to be served with any okay. type of legal correspondence, it can be delivered there. So the government, uh, at least in the state of Texas, I want to say most likely all states do, but um, I know a few states do, including the state of Texas, you have to have that registered agent on file. So that could be if you have a storefront or if you have a, a physical you know, business, um, mm-hmm. you could list that. Or you could use, I like to use a, a virtual option. Uh, it's in Austin, in, in the state's capital. They have uh, an office there and they provide it as a service, uh, your registered agent service. And that way, for me, I when I started my business, I knew that um, I didn't have, well, first of all, I didn't have a physical office. You know, I was I started my business in my home. And then I knew I didn't want to put my home address. So... I used a service it's called like Texas registered agent Inc. or something, something very generic, but they offer the service. It's like $30 a year. And I think it's a great option to have something that's not listed as your home address or a personal address to you. Um, So yeah, you'll need that and you'll need to pay the filing fee. So whatever the filing fee is for that, for the state and it varies from state to state for sure. Um, And you'll probably be required to share some brief information about the nature of business that you're going to be engaging in for this LLC. Okay. After that, um, after you form your LLC, this is beyond your question, Cammy, uh, but I think it will be useful in this context is after you form your LLC, you'll want to go to the IRS website. If you're in the U S um, irs.gov and you'll want to secure an EIN, which is an employer identification number. It's like your federal tax. It's like your business's federal tax ID number. Um, And so don't pay for that. If you're on a website that's asking you to pay to get that, you're on the wrong website. Go to the the official IRS website and just secure it right there. You'll be able to open up up right then and there and have your ID number, your tax ID number or your EIN. Um, And then that's what you'll need to take along with your uh, formed LLC or formed corporation. uh, You'll be able to go open a business bank account with those two pieces of information.
0: Okay. Well, that leads us to our second question, which do I need to have a business bank account or can I use my personal bank account? Yeah. That's a very common question. Um, it's not illegal, right? So like, you're not going to go
1: to jail for doing this. Uh, I typically don't emphasize that, but you know, I think it is an important distinction. Like, you know, you don't need to be so terrified to where that's the case, but you do need to recognize there are if you're taking your business seriously, there are serious consequences potentially for your business. So, you know, we don't need to be in fear for our lives, but if we're, we're taking it seriously and we're really building something, then, you know, we do want to be intentional about it. So it's not illegal. Um, however, that is a part of, that is a part of, um, maintaining the liability protection mm-hmm. and the entity. And- being treated as if it is on its own. So if I'm using my personal account for my business expenses and I'm paying both, you know, my personal expenses and my business expenses out of the same account and a judge looks at that, they're going to say, okay, well, should we treat this business like it's its own business and it's separate than her personal assets? Well, no, because look, she's treating it like it's all one in the same. We're going to treat it like it's all one in the same. So the liability protection would be lifted. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, from a financial standpoint, from a tax standpoint, from a professionalism standpoint, you know, I certainly would recommend having a business checking account, at least that one account that all of your revenue comes into. So you, you connect it to all of your, um, whatever software you're using to collect payment from your clients and then all of your business expenses should be coming out of that same account.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. Thank you for that. Well, this is so good. Yeah, this is so good. I mean, I know that all the people listening are just like jotting down notes as they should be. If you're not, go back and re listen to this episode. This is probably some an episode that you're going to need to bookmark, listen to a couple times because there's so many good things in here. This is a question that I've had people ask often to me: If a client, you know, we sign a contract, they pay the invoice, and they are they have just they have. Said that they're going to do a payment plan, and that was laid out beautifully in the contract. So, if a client then misses a payment, and we had a legally binding contract in place that said they were going to make those payments, what action steps can I take to make sure the agreed upon amount is paid?
1: Yeah. So, I would say that uh, there's a before and there's an after in this situation. So, there's a there's an, a period of time. In these circumstances where we could be proactive and then we cross into the zone where now we have no choice but to be reactive so i want to encourage everyone to really do what you can to be proactive in your business in general and when it comes to your legal stuff in general because you can really save yourself a lot of time and money and energy later on not having to be reactive and do damage control so i say all that and i provide that context because what i how i want to respond to this question is There are things that can be done before you even reach this point where a client is in a position where they're not paying you or not abiding by the terms that you thought you provided or that you thought you guys agreed to. So at that, I say that to say it comes down to the contract. That's almost always the answer when there's a dispute is like, what does the contract say? You know, it comes down to what the contract says. And so we want to look at the contract and make sure that there's a contract in place. Here in this uh, scenario you laid out, uh, Cammy, you said there is a legally binding contract in place. And I assume that it has all of the terms um, of payment. If there's a payment schedule, if there's, you know, uh, what is the late payment policy and that you enforce that late payment policy. um, And uh, what happens if they default on payment All of those things, you can lay all of that out in your contract. Like you can state, um, you know, if there is, if you're late on, so first of all, what is the payment schedule? What are we agreeing to in terms of when, what's what's being paid and when is it being paid and what is being received in exchange for that payment? And what is the term of that? Um, You know, when does that begin and when does that end? Um, And then if a payment is late, is there a percentage fee that's applied to the total? Like, what does that look like? If anything, um, and then if they default on the payment, what happens then? Um, So I would say if all of that is included, then you'll want to follow those terms, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that's in your contract. If in your contract, you just agreed that X amount of dollars are to be paid on this date and this date and this date, and they paid the first two and they didn't pay the last one, um, then I would say you want to de-escalate the situation um, and just communicate with them and ask like what's going on uh, a lot of people are really quick to jump to like i've got to hire a lawyer and um send a demand letter or i've got to send them to collections or i've got to you know file a small claims court lawsuit whatever you know there are different there are other uh options that are available and there are different paths that you can take to resolve a dispute but i think it's underrated um you know the effectiveness of direct communication. And mm-hmm. facing, yeah, handling conflict between you and a client, if it is even conflict at that point. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, ask what's going on. And maybe they need another week to make the payment, you know. And if so, if I'm gonna weigh, you know, waiting a week against just gonna file the lawsuit and spend five thousand dollars trying to collect this last or whatever, right? Like I can wait a week and it's fine. And I'm right. really right. Yeah. yeah so I would say, you know, don't be too quick to jump to the litigation or sending the demand letter or hi- even hiring an attorney. It might not be necessary. Mm-hmm. Try to meet with them first and see if you can come to an agreement because many times, whatever that agreement is, it's going to be better for you as the business than mm-hmm. doing further legal action. Yeah,
0: be. absolutely. Now, a kind of a side question that comes on that because when we're doing business online, Sometimes there's the situations where we're doing business with someone who's in a different country than us. Does that does the action steps outside of communicating directly. Do the action steps change of what you can do to make sure that the contract is enforced based upon if that person is in the same country as you or a different country?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and you know, it really just varies. I will say this generally um doing it's an incredible time that we're living in right now the fact that we can do business with anybody right. here in the world yes, yeah it's a it crazy to think about uh-huh it's, it's a, i mean wow what an opportunity we have right now so the possibilities are endless i will say this though there is an inherent risk that comes along with doing business with somebody that's in a different jurisdiction than you if they're not in your jurisdiction then you can't necessarily, it's very difficult to hold them Mm -hmm. to the laws of, if not impossible, depending on where they are, um, to the laws of the country Mm -hmm. that you're in. And so somebody that has ties to your jurisdiction is, the risk is much lower. Mm -hmm. And the uh, options available to you are much higher in terms of dispute resolution and being able to hold them to the law um, or to your legally binding agreement.
0: Got it. That's super, that's super good to know. Thank you for that. You're, you're right. We are in this it, where it's yeah. not uncommon at all to have the opportunity and a beautiful opportunity at that to do business with someone in a different country. Um, but yeah, that is, that is a, a great information to know on that that jurisdiction is important to to a, a minimum note when you're yeah, doing business. Sure. I
1: cool. want to, I want to add one more thing on jurisdiction yeah. if that's okay. Yeah. It'll be helpful. To your listeners, um, in your contracts, when you're providing a service, you want to include in the contract what jurisdiction applies, what is the ruling jurisdiction or the governing law that applies to this agreement, and what that means is, and you can you can even further clarify in your contracts, um, generally speaking, uh, how and where we're going to resolve these disputes if a dispute comes about, and so. I like to call it home court advantage and securing your own home court advantage to where if you're providing the service as the business owner. It only makes sense to have your jurisdiction Mm -hmm. and that way it's local to you. Maybe that acts as a deterrent for the other person if they know they have to resolve it in your jurisdiction. And if they're in another country or if they're on the other side of the country, even that might be something that further protects you. I wouldn't totally rely on that as, you know, entire legal protection. But that, like I said, it might act as a deterrent if they see that, okay, it's not local to me. I don't have that, you know, so-called home court advantage. Um, maybe I won't pursue legal action against this person and you could avoid it in that way. But then also you want, if you do need to, if you need to be the one to pursue legal action or, or resolve a dispute, it's local to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good to note. So, our last two questions, thank you for your time today. Aspen, I appreciate it. What yeah. would you say? <laughs> yeah, what are the what would you say are the top three mistakes that you see uh, the audience members here are online coaches. So, kind of with that in mind, what would you say are the top three mistakes that you're seeing online coaches make that are potentially leaving themselves or and or their businesses vulnerable from a legal protection standpoint?
1: Yeah, so I would say that some of the top mistakes I see made, um, I mentioned to you, and it might be expected, but it definitely comes down to the contracts. Um, the contracts, I think contracts are so much a part of our lives in general, and then also within the scope of our businesses that we don't realize how much of an impact they really do have, and they they govern so much in our businesses. They really uh, Create and formalize the relationships that we have in our businesses, so whether it's our clients or our team members or people that we're serving in other capacities. And so I say all that to emphasize how much of an impact your contracts have within your business and the way your business operates. And a lot of people cut corners when it comes to their businesses. And understandably so, you know, it's there are so many resources out there online, a lot of free contracts, a lot. I mean, search any. You'll find tons. You'll find tons, you know, in Facebook groups, people sharing contracts, um, you know, uh, you know, the digital duct tape pulling it out and just piecing together like what you think looks good. And that might you might be able to make a sale with that, you might be able to make many sales with that. The issue with it is every time you enter into a relationship with someone without a solid contract that you know is legitimate, that you know is enforceable, that you know is um, you know. Legal too, um, and not violating any laws in terms of like there's consumer law involved if you're selling a service to somebody. So, you certainly don't want to be in violation in that way. Um, Every time you enter into those contracts, you're increasing the surface area of possible problems, legal problems. And every client you sign, you're increasing. There's a certain level of risk that comes with doing business, it comes with the territory, and it's something to be embraced, it's not something to fear. Uh, and it, the great thing is it's something that you can be proactive with and you can be, there's preventative action that you can take. So a really big mistake I see people make is they just wing it with their contracts. They pull it together based on the internet. They get it from, you know, their biz bestie or a contract that they signed, but you don't know who's done what to that piece of right. agreement. Yeah. Like you just don't know. It's like playing telephone right. with a contract. That's not what you want to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely contracts, top mistake. Um, other mistakes that I see being made. Uh, I don't know if it's like the top three. I'm just kind of like thinking of some common mistakes that I see made. Um, I would say that one thing that a lot of people are doing is email marketing and they're, you know, emailing their list, they're creating an email list. And that's, I think a great place to start when you're you know new to business is begin to collect email addresses of people that want to hear from you. And that way you have a pool of—I don't
0: know if you teach email marketing as a part of your curriculum. Do you? Not too much. It's—it's um, it's an area that I would love to explore more. I just haven't used it a whole bunch of my business. I—I I give my clients in Powerhouse an example sequence of what like a six-day email sequence flow can look like, but we—that's—that's that's the extent of which we touch on it really.
1: Nice. Yeah. So I would say like when you're collecting email addresses or really any personal information. Um, the law takes that very seriously, you know, even if it's just their name and email address, certainly if you're collecting payment information. So you want to make sure that you are um, storing that information in uh, the right way. Right. So, of course, we don't want to like keep people's credit card numbers like saved in a note on our phone or, you know, in like an in- a non-secure way. Uh, But then also, you know, we want to make sure that in our privacy policy on our website and when people subscribe to our email list, we have a privacy policy that states what data we're collecting, how we're using that data, how we're storing that data, if we're selling that data to other, you know, third parties, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how they can contact you if they want you to remove their data or, you know, delete all their personal information from your system. So all that is required by various laws and it's just best practice to have a great policy in place. Um, if you're collecting people's information, so it's one of those things that a lot of the time you learn it as you go. I would love for people to avoid the learning curve when it comes to you know privacy and and data protection and consumer laws. So that's why I share that. Um, and yeah, I don't. Is there anything? Is there an open loop on that
0: that you you want
1: me to close? I know there's a. I'll share a third one, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And so like I use a system called Kajabi to host my websites, to collect emails. And so I wonder I need to do a little digging. Sometimes I feel like could like a platform like Kajabi may even have and like a hate, have you know, check this check this box to have a privacy policy up. Um and so I'll need to do a little digging on that because that that's really good to know for sure.
1: It's interesting that you say that. Um, some platforms, like I've used Thrivecart in the past, it's not the same copy, but you can set up like a sales page and click in the page and they have a place where you can check the box. As the person setting up the page and Mm. plug in the terms and conditions or a link to the privacy policy, and then require the customer to check the box and agree. It's called a click-through agreement. Um, And so you just want to make sure that they're able to access the terms and conditions and that they're affirmatively checking the box. That's if they're not actually signing it as in the form Mm -hmm. of a contract. It's just like it's common for digital products. It's common for you know enrolling in a membership, things that don't require one-to-one service. But if it's a one-to-one service, best practice, in my opinion, is having a contract signed, not just like a checkout page where they check the box. You want to make sure okay. it's a higher ticket that and there are extensive services being provided over a, a prolonged period of time. Like it's not a one day thing. Yeah. Um it's great to have the terms of your agreement spelled out in writing. So we're back to the contract somehow. Yeah. But I'm telling yeah. contracts are related to everything. It is. It is. Yeah. So
0: contracts, having a privacy policy that is clear that a person can open up and read for themselves and that they have to affirmatively click before submitting their their contact information. Do you have a third one for us?
1: Yeah. Um, let's see a third one. I would say before naming your program or your business. So as an online coach, you're probably, you might be operating under your personal brand. Maybe you have a standalone brand, like a company brand. Um, and then, you know, you operate your personal brand alongside it and they're related in many ways. You're a big part of the company brand. If you have a company name and, or if you have a podcast name or or a program name, or like a signature framework or method name, all of those are potentially intellectual property assets. And so there are definitely steps that you can take to protect them. And that's a bit more than I think we'll go into on, yeah, during this, during this podcast, but maybe we can revisit IP in the future. Who knows? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But, um, When it comes to naming, and that's one of the first steps that you take, you name your business or you name your program, do a trademark clearance search. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to make sure that nobody else already owns the rights to the use of that name in connection with a similar product or service. So okay, reason why, yeah, like if I wanted to start a coffee shop, I wouldn't call it Starbucks or anything close to that because they already own the rights to that, you know? Right um so yeah you want to make sure and that can land you in hot water uh if you do it's called trademark infringement and it's intellectual property infringement and it's some of the most expensive business problems you can get involved in because yeah let me tell you you really don't want to (laughs) people take their ip very seriously and as they should um you know might it might be top of mind for you right now it might not be but at minimum we want to be aware of how we can avoid legal problems Uh, yeah, and be preventative. And then we can figure out, okay, what's my offensive going to look like? How am I going to carve out my own intellectual property assets and protect those assets and then be the one enforcing my rights so that I can shield this uh, these assets and really this enterprise value that you're developing within your business?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's such great advice. Now the last question, I feel like you you've already answered in bits and pieces in the entire podcast. I'll go ahead and ask it, but I I feel like like okay, let me let me try let me try and answer let me sure. try and answer. Let's see. Let's okay, see. okay, I'm okay. wrong. What are the top three steps every online coach needs to protect themselves, their business, and their clients from a legal perspective? Okay, so based upon everything you shared with me, I'm in mm-hmm. school. Um, yeah. Number one, a contract.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Number two. Um, a meeting with a legal professional in our jurisdiction to understand is an LLC the route? Do we need to do a corporation or something different? But meeting with somebody and an understanding of what how do we want to create the entity itself? So, a contract, meeting with a legal professional to understand the entity, and then a business bank account. Did I get it right? Yeah, all of those are yeses, like, yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that you absolutely need the contract. You absolutely want to meet with a legal professional that's local to you in your jurisdiction. I love that you mentioned, um, you know, talking to them to figure out like, what is the structure or what do we need to do? I would say, you know, view it as like, You can share with them everything that you're planning to do and allow them to help you issue spot and like identify what needs to be on your radar. What are things that what are action steps you should take now? And what are action steps that you just need to have in the back of your mind? But maybe like after six months or a year, it's something that you pursue. Mm -hmm. So there could be and take a lot of notes um, during that uh, consultation and during that initial session. And the third thing you said, oh, is bank account. So yeah, definitely your business bank account. I would say that that falls under like the forming the entity and having
0: okay.
1: assets um, for sure. You know, you definitely want to make sure that you have that business bank account. Um, and then uh, I guess if the question was protecting themselves, their business and their clients. So yeah, all of those, you nailed it. Um, in addition to that, I would say in terms of protecting your business, uh, per- having a basic understanding of intellectual property in terms of trademarks and copyrights. Again, I know we didn't really get into that, which is a whole, like a whole other world. Um, and that's not to say that it's, you know, very confusing or anything it's, once people hear it laid out, uh, clearly, then it's like, oh, okay. Of course I see trademarks all the time, or I've already created tons of copyright assets, you know? So once you gain a grasp of those two intellectual property assets, um, it is a game changer in terms of your perspective. So I would spend some time learning knowledge is power, especially when it comes to the legal stuff in your business is gaining an understanding of what all this means and how it applies and what that means for you in the context of your business and what it is that you're selling and the people that you're helping. Uh, Yeah. You'll be able to move totally differently in your business, move with confidence, um, move as a professional, move as somebody that you know, can, Uh, deliver results and deliver them well, and ethically operate a business and work with clients in a way that, you know, serves and supports everybody.
0: Oh, I love it. Yasmin, thank you so much for your time. And um, just to let everybody know one more time, I will tag um, not only Yasmin's Instagram account down in the show notes, but also coaches and company, their website. It is such a clear communicative website, you will have no problem navigating it. And especially if you're an online coach, because I know many, probably 90% or more listening here are new online coaches. And if you don't yet have a contract in place, Coaches and Company is the number one place to go to get that contract template. And there's a there's a whole library of different contracts that you have available. There's the traditional one-on-one, there's group, there's mastermind, there's course, there's you really have covered all the bases. So Jasmine, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you want to add at all for the end?
1: Thank you so much, Cami. I so appreciate you. This has been great. And um, I really appreciate you uh, providing space and opportunity to share this information with, with your listeners. I'd love to get a code set up for your listeners if you would like and if they would like so they yeah. can yeah, save a bit on their contracts if they decide that yeah. contracts are right for them. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the future, and I can't wait to hopefully hear from some of your listeners. i I'm, I'm my inbox is always open. Would love to connect with you guys. And again, it's been a pleasure, Cami. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Well, and I'll, on that note, I'll also add I'll also add that Cami fifty will get you fifty dollars off a contract. So that's C A people people. I've never met another Cami spelled like mine. So listen up, because okay? if you spell Cami wrong, you're not going to get fifty dollars off. It's C A M I E 50. So when you yeah. go to the coaches company website if you type in C A M I E 50, you will get a discount on your contract. Love it. I
1: thought <laughs> my mind that we already set it up. Yes. Okay, I love us thinking ahead.
0: <laughs> we we are. I'll put that in the show notes too. I love it. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you. Thank you. Hey coach, thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you got exactly what you needed to hear, even if it stung a little. Every week, I am committed to showing up here on the show and bringing you not one, but two value-packed episodes to help you grow deeper in your faith, build a profitable coaching business, and become an absolute powerhouse at getting high-ticket coaching clients online. And the number one way that you can support the Bible's Babies and Business podcast is by taking 30 seconds to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and then share this show with a friend. Thank you for partnering with me to get these episodes out to as many online coaches as possible because the world needs more powerhouse women building online coaching businesses for the kingdom of heaven. I appreciate you, I love you, and I'll see you in the next episode.